0: About a month ago, I introduced our new annual theme, uh, as is the case every fall of the year. We focus on on one specific theme. We seek to learn it. We seek to live it. The theme is highlighted through messages, through ministries. It is addressed theologically. It is addressed practically every year. And the 2023-24 theme is... Uh, it being in the world, not of the world. And that theme is taken from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's being in the world. We, we are walking uh, post uh, postcards, if you will, poster boards of the Lord Jesus. But he qualifies it, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we are in the world, not of the world, and we continue that theme, that focus today um, with a a Lord's Supper message from the book of Daniel. If you Turn to the book of Daniel, a message that I've titled, Convictional Living, that is living with convictions. And it's such an important historical narrative and, and prophecy for our, our day. I'm going to bring a few Lord's Supper messages from the book of Daniel in the coming months. Not, not entirely, but hitting on this theme, in the world, not of the world. Uh, the book of Daniel speaks to that uh, with great, uh, re- great uh, clarity and uh, we can gain a lot of understanding, I think, about being in the world, not of the world, and convictional living from the book of Daniel. If you look at Daniel chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 through the end of the chapter. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels unto the treasure house of his God. And the king spoke unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel of the king's seed and of the princes, youth in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and gifted in knowledge understanding, science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's food and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years that at the end of them they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's food, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and compassion with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who hath appointed your food and your drink, for why should he see your face worse looking than the youth who are of your age? Then shall you make me endanger my head with the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah. Test thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the youth that eat of the portion of the king's food, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented, to them. in other words, if you, if you think we look a lot worse, then deal with us accordingly. If not, then deal with us. So he consented to them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the youth who did eat of the portion of the king's food. Thus, Melzar took away the portion of their food and the wine that they should drink and gave them vegetables. And as for these four youth, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king conversed with them, and among them was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus of the Medes means in the Persian uh, Empire every person beginning at the earliest age makes decisions this is obvious, this is self-evident from the very earliest age even our toddlers make conscious decisions albeit not always wise ones in the lives of our our two-year-olds but uh, they still make decisions as do all of us for the lost, for those who don't know the Lord. A huge problem is that their decisions are not driven with theologically sound wisdom. In fact, uh, uh, it's uh, a social mores. It's uh, the whim of the day. Uh, it is one's own uh, man-made idea of what is right. Only believers, only followers of the Lord and his word have the capacity to function in the realm of pure, convictional living. That is, those of us uh, who know him and follow him, we can, yea, we must live that way. Folks, because indecision paralyzes. And uh, wrong decisions, wrong choices, can bring serious consequences. In fact, uh, often they do. Uh, In in another area, being double-minded, James one eight tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so we must not be like that either. The Word of God is very clear. We are to be driven by convictions, deep-seated, deep-rooted convictions of our soul. Not preferences, uh, not petty whims, not uh, even what I particularly desire or want, but what is the will of God. I'm to be convicted. I'm to be um, compelled to in fact follow that path and go down that path, live out that life uh, unto him. The Word of God is filled with examples of those who uh, were in the world, not of the world, and they were able to be that way because their lives were committed to convictional living, starting with Jesus, as a matter of fact. He set his face to go to Jerusalem uh, 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 a millennia or two earlier, a couple of, at least a couple of millennia earlier, uh, in fact, uh, Noah acted decisively in building the ark. He had conviction in how he lived those one hundred and twenty years. We think of Rahab uh, the harlot uh, there in Jericho, made a decision, made a choice to protect the spies, even risking her own life. convictional living daniel 's life, of course was guided, was driven by conviction, he didn't have to weigh uh, the choices, he didn't have to uh, vacillate back and forth, what are my options here, before knowing and following the will of God, he did so instantaneously, because he lived by convictions, and folks, in this day, in the 21st century, in America, even in middle America, things are not like they used to be, can I get a witness? I mean, it is not like, life is not what it used to be. And so we're either going to be tossed to and fro with doctrine, uh, with, with all kinds of, of social uh, morality that's changing with the wind, or we are going to live and be guided by, yea, driven by convictions deep in the soul, which honor the Lord and follow His will. It's going to be one way or the other. And I am here, and it's my calling To not only live that way myself, but exhort you and train you in convictional living. Hence, the theme this year, in the world, not of the world, but very much in the world. Let me offer four principles which I think leap off the page from chapter 1 in the book of Daniel. For this being realized in our lives. First of all, these convictions must be scriptural Uh, hello of course we know that Um, my decisions my direction in life my choices ought not be based upon social customs or what is politically correct or what isn't politically correct or um, uh, my own um, uh, preferences and the like I must truly be rooted and grounded in the precepts and the principles of the word of God so that I will know how I am to live out the days God gives me. Well, it means that presupposes that I know what the word says. That I know and I have an understanding of biblical theology. You say, well, I'm a new believer. I don't know. Well, learn. Grow in that. I don't know everything that I'm going to know. And I haven't come to a point of uh, having arrived yet. But I'm going to keep on, as Paul told the Philippians and we preached on uh, a few weeks ago, pressing toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I haven't arrived, you haven't arrived, but we can be arriving. We can be pressing toward that mark with scriptural convictions. I need to know what the Word says, believe what the Word says, and apply and obey what the Word says. Now folks, I know a lot of theology, as do you, and I don't always behave what I believe. Anybody join in that, uh, in that pity party? I don't always behave, and I know that. But I can't get away with doing that. I'm convicted. I'm grieved. I'm compelled to desire to honor him with my all and to, in fact, get back uh, in abiding in him. So Daniel wasn't perfect. Uh, Daniel, well, it wasn't like he was sinless. But he had a, a heart which was driven by scriptural conviction. He knew the law, the Old Testament law. He knew the Mosaic law of separation. He knew God's will. And the same is true for us who know him, know the Lord to a great degree. We know the, uh, the truths of the Word of God. We know biblical theology. We have a Bible. We, we're a part of a Bible-believing church. Uh, we're among godly friends and, and family and all. And so I really do know what the Lord's will is for my life. I tell you, I've, uh, I've been around here uh, long enough now that it's decades. And I've been affiliated with folks for well over four decades here at Redbridge. And I have seen many Redbridge, hundreds of Redbridgers who live out heartfelt convictions to their dying breath uh, and how many bedsides have I been by of Red Richards, Taking their, uh, their, dying, their dying breath literally or a day or two before or seeing them a week before the home going. And so many times if I have opportunity and if I, I remember to uh, uh, and if the, if the context and, and the situation is right, I will say, uh, as I've said many times to folks, it sure looks like you are in your closing days, your closing weeks or you, you've been given a terminal diagnosis, whatever it might be. Is there anything that you want said to folks who gather for your funeral? I'm actually, uh, uh, I actually have the audacity to say that. Being given uh, the position of being the pastor and the shepherd and, all, uh, and officiating the funeral, that gives me an open door. And so I'm not suggesting that you would necessarily say that, but I've said it many times to folks. And everyone, not, not a one of them has ever said, Tell the people to be casual with the things of God. Just tell them uh, to, to take it easy and to coast and all. Everyone would say and everyone has said, who had the capacity to communicate it, follow the Lord with all the fervor of your soul. Live with scriptural convictions. They would never have said, and they never have said, just do any old thing you want. No. In the world not of the world, by scriptural convictions. Um, what does that look like? Well, Warren Wiersbe, who wrote many commentaries uh, in, in, in the B series, the B-E, be this, be that. For Daniel, you know what the B is? Be resolute. Be, live in a resolute way. That is, live with conviction. And Daniel did just that scriptural conviction secondly if you're going to be in the world and not of the world like Daniel you're going to have selfless courage because it's not about you ultimately it's not about you it's never been about you it's always as a child of God about his glory his will being accomplished through your life because today could be the last day Uh, and so stop trying to save the stuff or be cowardly but stand bold for the things of God. Folks, life is full of danger. Uh, We we come into this world wet and cold and naked, and we leave in worse shape, you know? It's full of danger, and there's danger everywhere uh, everywhere we go. There's a plethora of problems uh, uh, coming at us or we're experiencing or, or that we might experience. It's been said that the two greatest tests... In life, two greatest struggles in life are adversity and prosperity. In adversity, we're tempted to fear Goliath. In prosperity, prosperity we're tempted to forget God. So are you fearing Goliath or are you forgetting God? Uh, difficulties that come into your life can tempt you in that way. Well, Daniel lived by conviction. Which gave rise to selfless courage when he faced trials. And did he ever face trials? He and his friends. Wasn't just Daniel, but he was the one who was highlighted. And he certainly faced friends. I've never actually faced a lion's den. Being thrown into hungry lions simply for standing for God. I don't know that I'll ever face that. Anything like that. I've never faced a fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, and probably, likely never will. But I will have some trial. I'll face something that I am called upon to stand for God with conviction or to bail out, to throw in the towel. I want to take Daniel's example uh, and run with the Lord and run to the Lord during those severe trials. Daniel resolved That he was going to follow God no matter the circumstances. And to the the degree that uh, that that was true, Ezekiel chapter 14 identified three heroes of the faith. Noah, Job, and Daniel. Those who stood alone during severe trial. I mean, a flood came on all the world. Build an ark when there would never been any rain yet. (laughs) What? And do it for decades and decades and decades. Noah, what are you doing? You have lost your mind out here in the sun. And Job, losing everything dear to him, his own health, all of his children, his, his reputation, his fortune. And he stayed with God. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And we see here with Daniel and the trials he faced. In fact, Hebrews 11, esteemed the selfless courage of Daniel who through faith holding on to God he stopped the mouths of lions and so instead of bending to the difficulty blending in with the world he stood like a mighty oak against the storms that blew in his life he was resolute he had convictional Living and allowed him to to rise to the top and to be God's man for some 70 years in captivity in a pagan nation. Uh, Certainly with those, many of whom, who hated him. Was Daniel naturally courageous? Did he just have the guts that most people do not have? I would argue no. His selfless courage was sown In the soil of truth. And it was cultivated by living that out convictionally. And then it was reaped in the harvest of harassment. That harvest time when the temptations came. And he was able to stand strong because of convictional living. Which was not developed during the heat of the battle. It was developed even as a child because he was a young one. He was a youth when they kidnapped him and took him to Babylon. That had already been established. Parents, that had already been established. Daniel already knew theology. He already knew God. He already knew the things of God, the will of God, the word of God. And he was able to stand alone. Uh, Wow, what an example that we have. Daniel, no, not naturally courageous any more than anybody else is. No one wants to be eaten by a lion and you watch it happening to yourself (laughs) any takers no no one wants to be burned and cremated while you're still alive no takers there and yet through faith they were able in fact to do just that young people teenagers children in this world you'll be faced with choices you'll make decisions to stand in the will of God, to follow the ways of God, obey the word of God, or not. Or cave in to the enemy. Likely, if you haven't already, you're going to be tempted and pressured with alcohol and drugs and immorality and de- deception of parents and, and the like. And you will know what decision you'll make. And young people... God knows. He knows. I'm not getting away with it in the sense of, he is obscure, he is remote, he is invisible, therefore he must not know. No, that's the problem, if you will, is that he does know. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, right? And he is aware when I compromise, when I cave in, when I'm weak, when I'm uh, sinful, when I'm prideful, when I'm uh, bitter, whatever, lustful, whatever it might be, greedy, he knows. You know, and it's so amazing. He loves me in spite of that. He doesn't love me because of that. He sent the son of his love to pay that price. Well, that doesn't give me a, an, open, uh, a, an open market for sin. What that does is that compels me to want to love him and follow him as well. Convictional living and uh, following him with, with courage. Thirdly, if you're going to be in the world, not of the world, there's going to be the need for sacred counsel. Because none of us is an island. I don't live independently from you. You don't live independently from me and anyone else. I have people who depend on me. I have people on whom I depend. And God designed it this way. He designed us to be integrated, not disintegrated. Oh, we can be distant. Uh, I was with one of my daughters, uh, my son-in-law, in Nashville this past week. And we only see one another a couple times a year or so, if that much, sometimes not that much. And, uh, and yet, we're not disintegrated. We're distant, but our lives are still integrated uh, as parent-child and as fellow believers. And it's good to come together and refresh that and to renew that because we don't live independently. Well, Daniel had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they sharpened one another. Certainly they did. And they were stronger because of it. We know that we're gonna also face trials in this world, not of the world. And the call is, be resolute. And one of the ways that you will be victorious, yes, you have to have scriptural convictions, yes, you have to have selfless courage, but you also need sacred counsel. You need, we need one another to, uh, 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 to lean on, <clears throat> Lean on me, as the song, the folk song of the 70s tell us. Who's your most trusted confidant? Who is your go-to person? If that one does not live by convictions, biblical, sacred, godly convictions, hitch your wagon to another team of ponies. Because we need to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron in the body of Christ. Oh, of course, you're in the world. You're to, you're to be around and associate with the lost, with the foul-mouthed, with the immoral, with the ungodly, so as to shine as light. But not your closest bosom buddies. That's to be reserved for the body of Christ. For if it were the other way around, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us we're warned, and say it with me evil company corrupts good morals. I'm gonna be tainted by the world if my go to folks are in fact lost people. What if I'm married to a lost person? Well, there's been a violation of Scripture. Don't be joined to an unbeliever. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 going into chapter 7. But if you are, then be that light. Don't get out of that relationship. Be that light in the relationship. For you don't know. It very well could be that God will use you with convictional living to see that lost spouse saved. Sacred counsel. We need one another. Fourthly, a steadfast commitment is needed. Daniel put his hand to the plow. He wasn't going to look back, believing he's in the will of God, of course. And he lived by conviction. Now, what does it mean? Practically speaking, when you hear, walk by faith, <clears throat> you've heard me say this many times. Walking by faith is not a leap into the dark. What, do I have, what have I always said that it is? It's a leap into the light. If you are knowingly, truly walking in the will of God, you know what his word says, you, it is crystal clear that you are to do this or you are not to do the other thing. There's no uncertainty. And you say, okay, here I go. And and you jump out. You're not landing in darkness. You're landing in light. Because he's going to make it very clear that you are in his will. Even if the circumstances are difficult. You see, Daniel said, I'm not going to do this and violate the will of God. I'm going to walk by faith. And when, when I jump and I walk by faith, I know that I'm not going to land in the dark. I'm going to land in the light well what if they would have killed him he would have really been in the light then amen <laughs> in the presence of the Lord and so you cannot lose if you will for lack of sounding pragmatic by being steadfast in your commitment to the Lord and he counseled others to do the same thing you see it's not theory it's easy it's this is easy to preach The difficulty is being at the door and the lion's on the other side. The difficulty is uh, being in the furnace room and, and, uh, and and the guy who went in there to prepare the way, he got burned up just getting close. And you're aware of this. And you're going to go in too. If you're walking by how you feel and the like. What you prefer, you will not experience convictional living. So each one of us will have our commitment tested. Now is the time to be building a steadfast walk if you haven't already started. Maintaining that if you have. Recommitting to that. I exhort you and myself, To be or remained to be being a Daniel, standing strong in the face of persecution. To be an Esther. And she was told, for such a time as this, God has raised you up. Uh, Could it be that God has you for such a time as this with your cancer diagnosis, with your uh, relational difficulty, that for such a time as this, he will use you like he's never used you before and he's raised you up just for this hour? That's exactly what happened with Daniel. Nothing different at all with him. That, he raised him up for that moment. And he targeted that particular one. Or Moses, who told the two and a half tribes, where it was questionable whether they would follow the will of God. He said, is there not a cause? Isn't there a cause greater than you, bigger than you, grander than you, and then your comfort? Of course there is. It's God's cause. And Elijah, who told the rebellious people, how long halt you? How long vacillate you between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If not, then don't. Which is it? The word of God would have us to be resolute. Word of God tells us, To be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Folks, you'll only be victorious. I will only be victorious in the world, not of the world, to the degree that I have convictional living. If not, I'm going to be swallowed up by the issues of this world and this life. I can be in the world and of the world. That's not what scripture commands. In the world, but not of the world. Convictional living will cause that to be a reality.